0: This is an American workplace a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series The Office. My name is Chad Hopkins and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host Katie White. Katie, how are you doing?
1: I'm so good, Chad. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty well. Can't really complain. Yeah. Uh back from Thanksgiving break and I mean working is working, but it's it's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christmas is sneaking up on me this year. I mean, Thanksgiving did too, but, uh, I, I always seem to forget how expensive Christmas gets. And then I, I don't care as soon as I'm home and with my family and it's all worth it, but I'm really, really looking forward to, uh, uh, two or three weeks from now being home.
0: That's awesome. I am going to Houston for Christmas this year, so that'll be fun Ah. visiting other family.
1: My hometown.
0: Yeah. Well. It's here. We're on season seven. Crazy that we're in the final three seasons of the show. Uh, So before we get started, we have just a few thank yous, as we thankfully always do. We love having people to reach out to every week who reached out to us. So we've got a Facebook recommendation by Alex and a post from Christopher on our Facebook page as well. That was very complimentary. So thank you both for reaching out to us on Facebook.
1: We also have a couple of Twitter um, interactions, one from Shinso and one from another Chad. So um, nice to hear from you both. Thanks. For some reason. (laughs) Name alone. Already a good guy. Uh, Thank you both for reaching out. Good to hear from you.
0: Well, let's go ahead and jump into it. The season seven premiere is titled Nepotism. It aired on September 23rd of 2010, was directed by Jeffrey Blitz and written by Daniel Chun.
1: There's a new assistant in the office who everyone really hates, and Michael won't do anything about it. It's not a huge surprise, then, to learn that the assistant, Luke, is Michael's nephew. When his poor behavior turns even worse, Michael has no choice but to reprimand him. Of course, then, the method that Michael uses is a bit inappropriate. Meanwhile, we see Aaron in a new relationship, notably not with Andy, And we get first looks into Dwight as the building's new owner.
0: Starting with Michael, he had an eventful summer. He caught West Nile. We get all this in a dump at the beginning of the episode via Talking Head. So he caught West Nile, lost a ton of weight. So cool, lost weight. That's his takeaway from that. Then he stepped on a piece of glass and cut his foot. And that got infected even though he peed on it. I can't imagine why or how. And to to cap off the summer, he saw Inception, or at least he dreamt he did. Hmm. Bwah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but the the big story is that he hired his nephew Luke. Nobody likes him. Uh, this kid shows up late with coffee and with the wrong orders on top of that. I mean that already makes him the worst in my book. Uh
1: <laughs> coffee's very important, both it's of Serious
0: us. business. <laughs>
1: he calls people by the wrong names on purpose, names they don't like. He forgets, um, even more importantly, I think the most importantly, to send clients important information. I mean, he's just all around ineffective. And purposely so. He's truly the worst,
0: and generally unpleasant too. Like he's just yeah. He he says I had this under funny moments, so it's really not that funny. He says I'm a fan of cinema. My favorite movies are Citizen Kane and The Boondock Saints, <laughs> and those are about as polar opposite as you could get. Citizen Kane is like the movie that somebody who wants to be a film snob cites as their favorite film just because it topped AFI's top hundred list of best films of all time. So it's like a really like obnoxious thing to say because no way his favorite film is Citizen Kane. I doubt he's seen it, but sorry, Ty right. rant over, but <laughs> he, he's just obnoxious. Nobody likes him. And Michael isn't really doing anything, any, anything about it. This is our first time we've met family of Michaels outside of Nana back during the Michael Scott paper company era and uh he is specifically his half sister's son. Uh it's the first time he's had him around in 15 years because he once lost him in the forest. Uh so this is a relationship that Michael is trying to build not only with his nephew but also with his half sister uh because apparently they haven't had a great relationship. So this is him trying to make things work with his family and that's the conflict more than anything else.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's some tension there that's not spoken of if I can make this work, I can make my family work. Um, and you can kind of tell just from we haven't gotten to it yet, but just the one conversation that we get later with the sister that the tension that we get with Michael in the office is likely there with his family as well, um with just him being sort of odd, <laughs> to say the least. I'm sure he's kind of the black sheep in his family as well. Um, and we kind of get that from from his conversation.
0: Everybody complains about Luke to him in that, that conference room scene at the beginning. He defends him. This is when he first reveals to everyone that this is his nephew. And he makes a valid point that I want to talk about more later in my discussion topic. <clears throat> he says he shouldn't be treated any differently than anyone else here who's also bad at their jobs. So, I mean, he's got a little bit of a point, And like I said, we'll talk about that later. But at least nobody else is really costing them clients. Like you said earlier, Luke isn't delivering things that need to be delivered. There were expense reports, I think, that Oscar needed sent to corporate. There were samples that Phyllis needed sent to a client, and she lost that client because of this. So he is causing like actual business harm. So Gabe complains to Joe. Joe says, okay, that's fine, but you're responsible for this kid. You're on the hook for this kid. So you, whatever he does or doesn't do... You're getting the the brunt of that punishment. Like it, it is your fault now officially because I know that you did nepotism. You, you how did, how would you say that? Committed nepotism. This, this just is nepotism. You
1: were guilty of yeah
0: yeah that works. It, guilty of nepotism, <laughs> which just for the uninitiated, it says in the episode. But it's when you hire family uh, and they get special treatment yeah. because they are family. So that that sort of sets everything up before it ends in a a big finale.
1: (laughs) Yes. They're in a conference room meeting. As things often escalate, it's in a conference room meeting. Mm -hmm. And um, Luke somehow has access to a laser pointer. And of course, as any ill-behaved child, uh, causes chaos with a laser pointer. Mm -hmm. So he's pointing it at people's, you know, faces and boobs and whatever. (laughs) And, um... (laughs) just causing distractions and kind of chaos in this meeting. And Michael's had enough, finally had enough of the attitude. He's actually trying to convey information, which as we know is rare for Michael. He's like actually trying to get something done. And Luke is not letting that happen. So Michael kicks him out of the meeting, but surprise, surprise lasers work through a window. So, uh, Luke is standing outside the window, shining a laser, um, through the window onto Andy, into his eye, which that's not safe. No. Um, And Michael just loses it, Um, and he goes outside into the main office and spanks Luke in the middle of the office. (laughs) Regardless of your stance on spanking, it probably should not be done in the workplace, because again, you should be treating them like any other employee. And at this point, when you have him bent over your knee, he is no longer a regular employee, so he's clearly crossed a line at this point.
0: I'm trying to sort of dissect what this means from Michael. Like, was he spanked as a child? You know, we had his stepdad and we get a little bit more of that relationship actually in the next episode. But uh, we've we've heard a bit about his stepdad in the past. They didn't have the best relationship. He doesn't like his stepdad very much. Is this how he was dealt with when he misbehaved? And so that's what he's doing with Luke? Or is it just like Michael extrapolating things from TV shows and from movies, this is how you treat a family member who's not doing what it, what is supposed to do, or at least an, an, uh, a, a younger family member. And I mean, honestly, the last time he saw Luke, he was 15 years younger, uh, was a child. And so maybe that was part of his responsibility whenever he was watching after his nephew. So all that being said, it Michael's in a weird place because he's trying to find the balance between personal and professional, and he just misses the mark. And the funniest part is that he's while he's spanking Luke in the middle of the office, he's saying, you will learn to be more professional. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, That that goes both ways, Michael.
1: Yeah. And then there's also that bit of something I think we can all relate to, which is older family members treating us like we're still kids. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you'll always be a kid in their eyes because you were, you know, they were adults when you were born. And I think Michael has a bit of that as well with with Luke, where, as you said, the last time you saw him, he was a young kid at the oldest. You know, he may have been a baby. Mm -hmm. And he seems to, like, be stuck in that Luke is a child mentality where, no, I mean, he's he may be a minor at this point, but he's not a kid anymore. I mean, he's of working age at the very least. So he needs to be acting like it. And Michael's kind of stuck in that um, adolescent view of Luke.
0: Yeah. He didn't experience Luke growing up as if he was around all the time. So that happens. Luke runs out crying. Everybody else sort of thinks it's awesome uh, slash hilarious. Stanley in the back says, yes, Texas justice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then Gabe speaks up and he says, Michael, you just physically assaulted an employee. And to avoid being sued, which is, to be honest, something I sort of roll my eyes at, Like I highly doubt Michael's nephew or half-sister would sue the company over this incident. It's a family issue. That's what it is. If it was somebody else, sure, they'd worry about suing. But anyways, I like where it leads the story, so I'm not going to complain. <laughs> but uh, the the punishment is you are either going to be terminated or we're going to say, that this was caused by a stress-induced outburst, and you have to complete six hours of counseling with a trained professional. Michael says, oh, that's highway robbery. That's easy peasy. I can do that. No problem. With Toby, oh, not so easy anymore. And Michael, for a brief moment, very highly considers just taking the the loss of his job because he does not want to do this with Toby.
1: I kind of grappled with that. Is he just resisting answering the statement, basically? Or is he actually considering termination? And I, I ended up thinking, he's considering termination. <laughs> yeah. He might actually um, be okay with losing his job if it meant not spending six hours alone with Toby. And Toby being in this position, um, his superior. Right. Um, his hate for Toby
0: him. runs deep. and. Uh, we see a lot of that in the next episode. So, yes. uh,
1: these two are kind of linked. So, it's, it's, it's nice to have them together.
0: Yes. Now, going on to other happenings going on around, there's not much to be said about Dwight. He is now the owner of the Scranton Business Park. Uh, he's doing things like locking the thermostat so that nobody can adjust it and cost extra power, energy, uh, money stuff since now he's in charge he has control of those things so that's one thing uh we don't really see much of that yet from here uh but we do see a lot more with jim and pam
1: yes i had most of this in funny moments Mm -hmm. but it, it works here as well so jim ends up trying to prank dwight by putting so dwight as as the owner now of this building, now has a bunch of keys. He's got a big, huge key ring like a janitor, full of rings, or full of keys. So Jim steals his key ring and tries to put keys onto the ring every day until it gets heavy enough to pull his pants down. That would hopefully be around Christmas, and that would be his Christmas gift to himself. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, Pam catches onto this and, and, and watches Jim do this and laughs and kind of outs his trick. This kind of ties in with Dwight as well here because Pam, to make up for ruining Jim's joke, um tries to play her own prank on Dwight, where she messes with the elevator buttons to get Dwight and herself stuck on an elevator.
0: Yeah, and it, it's shenanigans. We can probably talk about the rest of it during funny moments, but basically Pam does sort of win back Jim's respect after ruining his prank. And so Ta-da, they are going out for Chinese for dinner. And uh, that's that. We'll talk about the, the actual elevator part on yeah. the funny moments.
1: I think there's a whole lot else uh, plot-wise to really say here. Um, I think we said the vast majority.
0: Yeah, that's most of it. I just wanted to mention real quick, and this isn't something we get a lot of outside of from the very beginning. But Aaron, you mentioned or alluded to this in oh, yes, your plot summary. Course. Aaron is dating Gabe now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she says in a talking head that she felt like she had to say yes to a first date with him because he's her boss or she, that's how she perceives it i don't really think that technically he is anybody's boss at this branch he's just a liaison but semantics i suppose so she thinks she has to say yes and she really doesn't have anything else to say about him otherwise she says oh dating him is great he's accomplished a lot of things in business and in height And you have to sort of wonder, is this genuine affection or is it purely her feeling like she had to say yes to the situation and continues to have to say yes? I don't know. We don't get a whole lot more from that in either of these episodes after that talking head.
1: This sweet moment between Aaron and Andy that we saw at the end of Whistleblower, I think it was, is apparently for not, um, where we saw Andy kind of digging around in the ceiling for his belongings, um, and Aaron kind of touched his leg, like, in solidarity and support. Um, and that was kind of a hint at, okay, maybe they'll heal, but then we switched to season seven, and she's dating Gabe. Um, and as you said, completely out of obligation, although there hopefully isn't any obligation to date your boss. Um, <laughs> hopefully. She knows that that's not an obligation, but she doesn't seem to know that, so she says, I wouldn't have said yes to him unless I needed to, uh, but I'm glad I did. Mm. So she, yeah, as you said, (laughs) seems to think that she is obligated to date him, um, which is sort of a creepy start to a relationship, but here we are.
0: Andy's not happy about it. He says at first he's not angry about Gabe stealing his girlfriend, is the way (laughs) he phrases it, because he's been through anger management. But then he does the whole anger management thing of putting himself in a different scenario to make himself feel calm. He says, I'm, I'm sitting on a beach at Cape Cod. I'm looking at the waves. I see a humpback whale. Isn't that nice? It's, it's eating Gabe. <laughs> so he's trying to cope, calm. but he's he's very obviously upset about this. And so, again, we don't get much else about this in the rest of these two episodes, but maybe uh, down the road in season seven, we'll get more.
1: So it's the funny moments. Let's start with the cold open, I guess. The entire office, well, almost the entire office, does a taped, lip-dubbed dance to Nobody But Me by the Human Beans. Um, It involves streamers, confetti, Aaron on roller skates, Ryan promoting his new business, Woof, which um, we'll get into. (laughs) Michael, do? oh no, we already did get into that. That was uh, end of season six. Michael doing magic tricks. Um, and of course Toby films it and he's not actually in it. Um, basically just a big montage of dancing and lip dubs. It's fun. Yeah. Not a whole lot of, development there.
0: It's a really fun start to the season. It's a lot of fun to watch. Um, Stanley saying, you're behind. And then later, you're still behind. (laughs) Uh, Trying to push him along. And Jim's at the beginning, apparent disinterest before he joins in on Boogaloo holding up the sign. And he gets into it with Pam. And uh, you mentioned Woof, Ryan promoting Woof. We didn't have a whole lot of info about it last episode, Whistleblower. Uh, when it was first mentioned. But now we have an acronym, which we didn't have before. W-U-P-H-F. Right. Uh, so I guess we'll learn more about that later. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you see Gabe dancing awkwardly. Meredith is strapped to Kevin's back. Phyllis having the time of her life dancing. That's yeah. a, that's so much fun. Uh,
1: like doing the monkey? Is that yeah, what the, 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 yeah. the, the Yeah, the monkey. The Johnny
0: Bravo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Dwight. Knocking over desks and ripping off teddy bear heads, and holding a knife to Andy's throat, as one does in a lip dub—the standard I was like, knife you threat.
1: Anything less.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it overall, lots of things are happening. It's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah.
0: First Michael moment I have. Uh, I just thought it was funny that he remembers that the specific year he last saw Luke before this moment or before this time at the company. Because it was the day Ace Ventura 2 released in theaters. And so, oh yes, it's 1995. He's wrestling between 14 or 15 years, Uh, but Ace Ventura 2, 1995, okay, 15 years on the dot, there it is.
1: (laughs) I thought it was funny that he would remember that over, you know, losing his nephew in a forest.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That not even Ace Ventura 1 was memorable. Like, Ace Ventura 2 was the memorable uh, movie there for him. I thought it was funny. Also, Michael, in a conference room, um, there's this whole (laughs) illustration, I guess, of him trying to write down the words, don't bother Luke. So he has a circle with a line through it. He says, don't bother Luke, inside that circle. So that reads, don't, don't bother Luke. So to clarify, Michael writes the word don't in front of it and then erases the don't in the circle. It still reads, don't, don't bother Luke. (laughs) So he draws a circle with a line through it around the first don't, and he says that's as clear as I can make it. <laughs> so it's now I think don't 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 bother Luke. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so great. Is that's apparently as clear as you can, can make it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Later in that same scene, there's a lot of funny things in that scene. Uh, he says to Dwight, "Actually, there is somebody in the office that is very very close to Luke." Dwight says, "How close?" He says, "Well, Dwight, he wiped his butt. Is that close enough for you?" Pause. Twice says, yes, of course. <laughs> yes.
1: yes. Very soberly. <laughs> Michael begs everyone to treat Luke like no one else in the office. Just treat him like my nephew. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem, Michael. They are <laughs> like, he's... Being treated like your nephew and not being fired for doing an awful job.
0: Right. Oscar had said, Michael, that's nepotism. Luke is getting special treatment because he's your nephew. Michael says, yes, exactly. That is a very nice way of putting it, Oscar. Mixing (laughs) family and business is a beautiful thing. That's not the point that Oscar is trying to get at.
1: (laughs) Which, as I think they said in the commentary, it makes total sense. These are two of Michael's absolute favorite things, Mm -hmm. work and family. Of course he wants them to mix. These are the two best things that could mix. So it makes sense for him.
0: When he reveals to Joe on the phone call that this is his nephew, he first says, you don't have all the facts. And Joe says, which are? Michael says, I love him. Joe just goes, oh, oh God, how far has it gone? (laughs) (laughs) Michael says, no, 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 he's my nephew. He has to specify this is family. I'm, I'm not just loving after this guy.
1: And then also in that conversation, um, we get more of Michael trying to keep up with Joe's <laughs> cute southern self. She says, if you keep him, Michael, I'm going to hold you accountable. You're on the hook for him. You got that. Cover him like tidy whities. Michael says, I will cover him like moss on a Mississippi tree stump. Joe says, what's well, how I put it? Not clear enough. I mean, you've got to go up and make up your own saying. <laughs> like, yeah, we've all been saying that to you, Michael. Like, just... <laughs> You don't have to come up with your own cute thing.
0: Just
1: just say yes.
0: Jim, at the beginning of the episode, Dwight has walked in and he's wearing a camelback to work. And he's slurping away at this water pack that is on his back. And Jim says, hey, Dwight, I don't know if you heard, but we're supposed to be drinking out of weird backpacks instead of cups like regular people. He looks up. Oh, you did hear.
1: Oh, good. You did. (laughs) One more Michael one. So it's after he spanks Luke, Michael has this talking head where he says, There are many different schools of thought on capital punishment. Capital punishment is where you kill someone as punishment.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not not I quite what you're means, going for.
1: Isn't it corporal punishment?
0: Corporal spanking. Yeah, I think so.
1: Which I think in the next episode we get another variation on this word. But capital punishment is definitely not what he meant, because that is death row. <laughs> yeah. What he's going
0: for there. <laughs> Okay, let's go over the elevator scene real quick. So Pam has enlisted Kevin, of all people, to switch around the buttons on the elevator. And I mean, really, how perfect? Who else is better to mess up elevator buttons than Kevin? Like, it's wonderful. Truly. (laughs) And so Kevin switches around all the buttons. Pam convinces Dwight to come onto the elevator. He shows up and says, Pam, did you just SMS text message me? Yes, she SMS text messaged you. Uh, And all of a sudden, things start going wrong. He starts pushing the door close button. It opens instead. It starts closing on its own. It starts going up instead of down when they were meant to go to the lobby. And then it gets stuck. And (laughs) Dwight starts to panic. Pam's not too happy about it either because this wasn't exactly the plan. Uh, Dwight, (laughs) I I love, he says, Pam, try and pry open those front doors immediately. Use your talons. (laughs) <laughs> just like, Use your what? talons. <laughs> and then within the first 30 seconds of being stuck on the elevator, he d- he establishes a pea corner, much to Pam's disgust. And it's because of the camelback he had on his backpack. He says, Well, don't look freak. I've got fifty-six fluid ounces in my bladder, and we have to establish a pea corner. He's acting like this is gonna be a long term thing.
1: <laughs> He's like taking initiative right now. <laughs> You've got to find that pea corner.
0: I think it's just something Um, he always wanted to do, and so he's seizing the moment.
1: It's like, it's finally my time. (laughs) A Kelly one. One of my all-time favorite Kelly quotes, I think, here. Uh, So Kelly just got back from the Sabre Executive Minority Training Program Mm -hmm. at Yale. So she says, you guys, I'm like really smart now. Keep in mind, she's wearing like a hot pink business suit with a... She's just very business cute now. You know, she's Mm -hmm. Kelly. I'm really smart now. You don't even know. You could ask me, Kelly, what's the biggest company in the world? And I'd be like, blah, 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 giving you exactly the right answer (laughs) without actually answering her own hypothetical question. She couldn't pitch herself a question that she could actually answer. So she would, she just (laughs) named a question that she couldn't. And yeah, it, it was rough.
0: She doesn't seem to have really learned much, though she likes to pretend that she did. During one of the conference room uh, meetings, I I think it's the first one, she speaks up and says, oh, here's like a random textbook piece of information that I randomly remember from my training that may or may not be accurate. And then everybody just sort of stares at her like, thank you, I guess. And then...
1: yeah. I think it was the, the, the zoning level issue playing field. Yeah. Which yeah. it was a totally irrelevant thing because Daryl was talking about a level playing field as in Luke being like, he he's not on a level playing field. He needs to be on our level, but he's your nephew. Right. Right. Um, A totally different level playing field than what Kelly's talking about, but she says, so um, I would just like to say something off of what Daryl said about the level playing field. That's actually a zoning issue. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not talking and... <laughs> about actually <laughs> we're not talking about actually like leveling soccer fields. We're talking about like <laughs> yeah, hypothetical playing fields.
0: <laughs> it's just the most like nonsense thing. She's pretending like she knows things and she does not. Yeah. She's still Kelly.
1: <laughs> Dwight has one. Um Dwight suggests after adjusting the thermostat to be warmer so that no one would have to or that he wouldn't have to spend any more money on the building. Dwight suggests that if Pam is hot, she sit on an ice pack. He doesn't want to cool the building. So uh, Kevin asks what to do if he's cold. Dwight says, like you'd ever be cold. Okay, rude.
0: (laughs) Yeah, rude. (laughs) Ouch. Uh, Creed has a funny moment towards the end of the episode. Uh, Talking about Luke, he says, he's been trashing us relentlessly on Twitter. Yeah, it's funny stuff, but mean. Jim speaks up and says, you follow him on Twitter? (laughs) And then Creed has a talking head and he says, everywhere I look, it's Betty White this and Betty White that. Finally, a kid (laughs) that's not talking about Betty White. Of course I follow him. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that Creed's on Twitter. Apparently he's starting to figure out the internet, so.
1: Yeah. And I want to know all these kids that are like only talking about Betty White. (laughs) That's probably all I wanted to mention anymore for you.
0: Yeah. Same here. Uh, Let's go ahead and go on to deleted scenes.
1: Toby has a talking head. Over the summer, he finished his murder mystery novel called Event at Mystery Cove. What an awful sold, title. I know. Event. <laughs> oh, like Murder at Mystery Cove would be good. Um, but no. Or not even good, just like better. Yeah. But, you know, event at Mystery Cove. He sold, uh, drumroll please, four copies of his book. And he's also being sued for plagiarism. So, rough summer for Toby and Event at Mystery Cove.
0: I would say Stanley had a worse summer. He has a talking head where he says he went on a new diet where he can't eat red meat. He lost two pounds and he is angry all the time.
1: (laughs) Same Stanley. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Kevin had an eventful summer. He decided over the summer to become a liar. He made up a girlfriend and it's apparently going great. Um, So he just kind of lies to his coworkers about oh yeah, I'm going to go see her tonight. And he just kind of giggles to himself. Like it's some big, crazy scandal when he's just lying about his love life.
0: Yeah, he says that, I think the name is Jenny. She came over last night and made him dinner and then they had sex all night long. And Angela says, gross. Oscar says, that's awesome. Just to sort of appease him. And then later examples, this is a sort of continuing thread. It's like a whole cut storyline from Kevin, this episode. When Kevin is working on the elevator buttons for Pam, she asks, how did you learn how to do this? And Kevin says, before this job, I worked as an elevator repairman and I specialized in the buttons as elevator technicians do. They specialize in buttons specifically. Um, And then when Dwight shows up, Kevin says, I just came from a museum where I saw an exhibit on rare coins and they just sort of stare at him as he walks off. He gives the camera a thumbs up. And then he has a talking head where he says, you know, the elevator repairman story was a lie. It's all become a, a tangled web. I'm worried about losing myself. <laughs> so the, by the end of the episode, as far as deleted scenes go, Kevin is not uh, not loving the lying as much anymore. All
1: right, Got caught in his own web. Michael tries to show Luke how to copy things double-sided. Luke could not be less interested. So uh, he takes a phone call in the middle of the instruction and walks off. And now Michael is stuck making copies as if he was not the general manager. Um, (laughs) Now he's the copy boy, essentially.
0: And he calls the the copy machine the paper oven. And then as he's going (laughs) through the instructions, he refers to it as like a restaurant menu. He says... Uh, You take a look at the menu with a side of function and also some option, and then you press four.
1: (laughs) That would not help me in the slightest. (laughs) No,
0: No, no. Andy says to Michael, you know, I'll fire Luke for you if you won't. And then he has a talking head where he says, you know, my dad once let me fire people at a board meeting. I don't really remember it. I was four. But apparently whoever he tagged got fired. I mean must be nice to have that many disposable employees, I guess, where it's just like, oh, I can can afford to let my four-year-old fire a few people.
1: (laughs) I guess I misspoke earlier when I talked about the phone call that Michael makes to his sister. This is actually a deleted scene, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it still holds. So Michael calls his half-sister named Marnie Cooper about her son Luke. He starts by praising Luke. He's such a joy. He changes (laughs) the whole demeanor of the office. That part's true. Um, but he has a parenting question. Marnie is surprised by this. How does she deal with Luke's attitude? Marnie takes offense to this and Michael kind of reneges. No, 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 not that bad attitude. Good attitude, like pink. Or like when a fashion photographer asks the model to give more attitude. Looks like that, apparently. (laughs) Good attitude. Marnie is sort of just like, okay, glad is working out and gets out of that conversation as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah, she says, give Luke a hug for me. And Michael says, I'll give him a hug and a kiss. She says, no, no, just a hug is fine. Like, the the spanking was bad enough. Kissing an employee in the workplace, probably still not great. Especially uncle, nephew, not, not, that's kind of weird. Just about that. One, it's another family member we've now officially heard from. She had just accepted Michael's friend request on Facebook. Uh, So that says something about their relationship, too. I mean, they weren't even close enough to be Facebook friends. And I meant to say this earlier, we didn't know the circumstances under which Luke was hired. Like, was it as a favor? Was it something that Michael offered up when they randomly came across each other? I don't know. So we don't know how invested Luke was in this from the get-go anyways. Apparently not very much. But anyways, I just thought I'd mention that. The very last deleted scene is Daryl approaching Dwight. And Dwight is on his knees scrubbing the carpet in the elevator because he has peed all over it (laughs) at least he's taking taking care of things but daryl says hey the warehouse water fountain is not working dwight's frustrated ask daryl you've done a lot with heavy machinery do you know a lot about robots daryl says yes i know everything about robots (laughs) and so it's this back and forth where dwight is asking about helper robots and daryl says yeah i know a family that has one they named it rosie you just need to talk to my boy george over at spacely sprockets and Dwight says, "I don't know that company. Do they make good sprockets?" Daryl starts to say, "It's the the best sprockets you ever." He turns around and Hank is there, and Hank says, "Come on, man. He trusts you. Don't play him like that." <laughs> Daryl turns around and he says, "You know, Dwight, for twenty grand, you can have somebody come and take care of all of this." Dwight says, "Well, if I get a helper robot, I don't have to pay anybody." <laughs> Daryl says, "I was messing with you about the robots. I'm sorry." I just sort of scoffs. He's upset. And that's it. <laughs>
1: that's it. We did get a commentary for this episode as well. Um, it wasn't super informative, but it was fun. A couple of nuggets of information though. So it, it had BJ Novak, Paul Lieberstein, Creed, and Craig Robinson. Most of the information was probably from BJ. He wanted to establish this as an ensemble season, which it was, um, by starting with this cold open. So we got the the lip sync, cold open, which kind of started everyone. So he wanted to establish that right off the bat.
0: Yeah. And they wanted to find a right mix of it being a good lip dub for this group, but a sort of bad lip dub in the, the history of lip dubs. Right. They also point out that this is the first time with new credits. We got new credit sequence. So I think they said it's the fourth yes. credit sequence total. Uh, It's been a while, but worth pointing yeah. out.
1: BJ also pointed out that they watched the season premiere at a premiere party with friends and family, and it was nice to hear laughter, because it's not like you're shooting a movie where you can sneak into a theater and hear laughter and see if they liked it. TV is sort of an unseen audience. They so rarely get feedback in a live setting like that, so it was nice to hear genuine response to the episode.
0: Possibly the coolest fact that I learned from this episode was that Luke was originally scripted as Joe's grandson, uh, but they changed it because it made it make more sense for Michael, for him to be torn between a personal thing and a professional thing, rather than two professional things where he's dealing with work work and pleasing Joe's family work. So it, it would still be nepotism, but it would be through Joe. And it just makes more sense for Michael to be struggling with his own personal family.
1: They liked this storyline for Jim and Pam um, with the prank minor conflict because they didn't want to invent conflict for them. Like, why put strife on a fictional couple that doesn't need it? Mm-hmm. Um, so no fighting. It's not sad. It's just a real-life, very minor conflict that could still be a B or C plot storyline without having to be a big drama. It was just regular people trying to (laughs) have a minor conflict. It was just nice.
0: Mm -hmm. They also drew attention to the fact that, I think it was Craig Robinson who said, you know, I think Ryan is always trying to infuriate whoever is in the room. And somebody else spoke up and Mm -hmm. said, yes, while, while simultaneously trying to impress the documentary audience at home, who he thinks thinks he's awesome. So it's like this conflicting thing with Ryan where he's he's trying to piss off some people and impress other people, and you just can't do it all. And so he just mostly just ends up pissing off everybody.
1: Paul Lieberstein pointed out something that I couldn't really put a finger to until he said it. Um, he said his favorite moments in the show are when the plot is not advancing. Mm-hmm. It's just people trying to communicate really simple things over far too long a period of time, <laughs> like the... I think the instance that they were talking about was the don't bother Luke situation. And those are my very favorite moments, too, which is just like absolute nonsense. And it's taking far too long and it's getting awkward and weird. And I remember my parents tried to watch The Office and they couldn't. They just said it was far too (laughs) awkward and tension filled. And I was like, yeah, that's my favorite part. Um, (laughs) Some moments like that. I have to agree with them.
0: You mentioning that just now made me think of the scene back at the beginning of season four where they were talking about whether it should be who or whom, I think. Right. That, that, yeah, it's just it like so a long. stupid argument, but it, it takes up like two minutes of time. <laughs> yeah, I love that. They also point out that Michael at the ending conference room scene, before he spanks Luke, is like Michael at his most competent we've ever seen him. Because he's actually trying to explain how to do things. He's explaining how to... Uh, according to BJ, changed their Dunder Mifflin email addresses to Saber email addresses. So apparently he knows how to do this. He did his homework. He knows how to do it. He's trying to teach everybody. And this time it's Luke who's derailing the conference room meeting and keeping Michael from doing his job rather than Michael himself.
1: BJ says that they approach this season. This is a big one for me. Wanting Michael to grow a little bit by the end of each episode. So we'll have to keep an eye out to see if that kind of holds up for this season. They want him to grow a lot this season.
0: And just two more small tidbits, and I'm done, If you, unless you have anything else. First off, the laser pointer was CGI'd, so there were no uh, Andy Bernards harmed during the making of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and the idea for Michael spanking Luke was Aaron Shures. Uh, he's one of the common writers for these episodes, and they weren't sure how to make this episode work until he came into the writer's room with a note card with that scene on it that just said, Michael spanks Luke. And they're like, that's it. okay. we can make the whole rest of the episode work now because we have that scene. So it's really cool to see how they can have just one scene that makes it all work in their heads. And then they fit all the pieces around that.
1: We had almost exactly the same things for this commentary um, (laughs) written down, which is kind of funny because it wasn't a super informative commentary, but it was a lot of fun.
0: No, there were definitely times in the, the commentary they were just sitting there for like
1: long periods of time,
0: (laughs) not saying anything. And then they'd speak up and just say something random about what was happening on the TV or they'd laugh at something and then they'd go back to silence. Like it was, it's kind (laughs) of useless, but I mean, it's fun. Creed was there. So we got some Creed stuff.
1: Exactly. Always welcome. All right. Our discussion topic.
0: Okay. So a good point is brought up by Michael when he first shares that Luke is his nephew. He says, well then why aren't you bugging me to fire everybody who's bad? You just want me to fire Luke. That's reverse nepotism. We know that Kevin isn't good at his job. Creed probably isn't either. You think back to... uh,
1: The... Yeah.
0: Product recall. So, I mean, we've seen instances where Creed's not good at his job. Ryan, what is Ryan even doing anymore? He's supposedly a temp after the results of Michael Scott Paper Company, but he just sits around all the time and doesn't do anything. So, is it fair with all these people bad at their jobs in the office? To hold Luke to a different standard than everyone else?
1: Is it fair to hold Luke to a different standard? So I think at first, Michael was hesitant to do anything about Luke because so many of his workers are incompetent <laughs> that he didn't think anything of it or whatever, he's my nephew, it's fine. Until people called to light that he is his nephew and that this will not be tolerated. Um, and so I think in that way, perhaps Luke is even held to a higher standard than the rest of the office because, okay, now he's under watch as my nephew and he has to be good to keep his job and he's really bad, which it is interesting to note that Michael never actually fired Luke. He just spanked him and then Luke ran out <laughs> yeah, and never came back. <laughs> so he kind of quit. I don't know if Michael would have fired him or not, but yeah, I think in that way, Michael may not have held him to a lower standard, but maybe even a higher standard. I don't know. Think,
0: yeah, I think you're right, and I do think we also kind of answered this question earlier. I just thought it was an interesting question to ask because the difference between Luke's poor poor performance and everybody else's poor performance is everybody else is just bad at their jobs. Luke is like actually damaging to the company, bad at his job. It's not just bad, it's like detrimental bad, and so that's the big difference between the two for me, and I think for everybody else too. Yes, he's Michael's nephew. But it's not because he's his nephew that everybody else is holding him to that different standard. It's because he really is truly bad at his job. And then the fact that he's the nephew on top of that, and that's the only reason he's keeping his job, that makes everybody else upset. So I think you're right when Michael starts to hold Luke to a higher standard because of everybody else's pressure on him. But like I said, I just thought it was interesting that Michael drew attention to some of the people in the office who aren't very good at their jobs, because he does have a little bit of a point there, but it does just come down to damage to the company.
1: Right. Absolutely. So moving on to our second episode of discussion, Counseling, which piggybacks right off of Nepotism, their first episode, aired on September 30th, 2010, directed by Jeffrey Blitz and written by B.J. Novak.
0: Following the events of nepotism, Michael is required to sit through six hours of counseling with Toby, and he is not cooperating. Toby doesn't give up so easily, though, so the whole episode is spent with Toby trying to get any scrap of information from Michael. Meanwhile, Dwight calls for a boycott on Steamtown Mall, but decides to seek revenge instead, and Pam, realizing she's a terrible salesperson, slyly scams herself into a new job at the branch.
1: At the end of nepotism... As you mentioned, Gabe has sentenced Michael to six hours of counseling with Toby. Michael is super, super, super hating this.
0: (laughs) To put it lightly. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's proper therapy. I mean, it's counseling therapy. Michael just spends the entire time, I don't even quite know how to put it, averting every effort Toby makes. I mean, between telling him that he thinks Toby's going to molest him, to just calling him inadequate at his job and that he hates him. And just, he just does not want to talk. Um, and so he spends the first couple of hours or the first hour, I think, uh, just basically in silence. He refuses to talk. He wants to waste away his his six hours. Toby says, okay, look, well, I can't count that because you didn't talk. So Michael gets pretty peeved and, uh, okay, so I'll talk, but it'll all be nonsense and you'll have to deal with that. So he just spouts all these false stories and lies to fill up his time in counseling.
0: Toby says, you know, that some others might just ask a few standard questions, tick a few boxes, but Toby, to his credit, says, I feel like I can do some good here. And it almost seems like it was a long time coming for Toby. He couldn't get Michael to listen to him of his own accord. We've seen many times where Toby just sort of gave up in a situation because he didn't want to deal with Michael and he knew that Michael wouldn't listen. Uh, but now... It's mandated that they spend six hours together. So he really thinks that this is his best opportunity of any opportunity he's had so far to, quote, do some good. And as you said, it goes very poorly. I feel really badly for Toby because, frankly, he doesn't deserve this. I know it's the popular thing uh, because Michael hates Toby for Office fans to hate Toby too. But truth be told, he's not a bad guy and right now all he's trying to do is help Michael sort of figure himself out. Michael said himself in the last episode or not the last episode, but the last episode of season 6, I'm going through a tough time. Bit of a rough year actually. Like Michael's life is not at its highest point right now. It's far from it. And Toby's just sort of trying to mitigate that a little bit. And Michael goes for the jugular. It is rough. And after faking it for a little while, Toby says, "Okay, let's put this stuff away. Let's stop the counseling. I have some games that I keep around for my daughter if she ever comes around. Let's play some games and just tick out the clock. And so he gets out Connect Four and they draw pictures later and just have casual conversation. But Toby is smart enough. He does have a degree in social work after all, as he points out this episode. He's smart enough to get some counseling in there without Michael realizing it. And we do find out some interesting information about Michael's past from Michael himself.
1: Which is sort of how they do therapy for kids, right? Mm -hmm. Like kids aren't going to willingly sit on a couch and talk about their past and their history. They'll play games with the kids, right? So Toby is treating this like a counseling session for a child and playing games with him to get information out of him. And it works, which is crazy for a while anyway, until Michael catches on. By playing games, Toby's actually getting some real emotions out of Michael, and uh, Michael talks about his stepdad, Jeff, who Michael never really thought about as a stepfather before, just as his mom's husband. Toby says, well, that would make him your stepdad. How Jeff took Michael to a baseball game once, and how the team manager took the pitcher out of the game, and Jeff really respected the manager for that. Michael kept saying that he respected the manager, and it's made clear to Toby that that's at least partially why Michael wanted to become a manager. So that's a big, huge, you know, light bulb and how just lots of little bits like this. Mm -hmm. Like Michael was afraid to go to the park after losing his dog because he was afraid he'd see his dog playing with another kid. Michael notes out loud that it's very important for Michael to be liked. And Michael says, "Okay, well, let's not get into it. This isn't a counseling session. And at that moment, he realizes what Toby has done. And he's so flustered. And upset with Toby for, quote, tricking him into this therapy, which he was supposed to have all along. But he feels so taken advantage of because Toby wasn't, he was going to give up, right? And play these games. And all along he was getting information.
0: His response is, it's just so over the top and so hurtful to toby like i I think toby really does actually have his feelings hurt here there have been times in the past where you could say "Uh, his feelings kind of got hurt but i think most of the time he takes it in stride pretty well but here michael goes as i said earlier right for the jugular he holds nothing back he first says you son of a gun then you son of a a uh, witch <laughs> and then he straight up says you witch like there's that progression there where he's getting angrier and angrier and angrier and it eventually turns into you can't help people you couldn't help your marriage you lose i don't need your help nobody needs your help nobody wants it you can't help anybody i don't need your help he throws in the bird with both his hands toby was like fine here's the paperwork fill it out yourself go take it to Aaron to get faxed we're done here and I Toby gives up like he had Michael there where he needed him he was required to be there but Toby Toby I think really was hurt this time and he he gives in and it's sad.
1: Toby hands over the paperwork tells Michael to fill it out however he sees fit and sends it off so of course Michael in a rage doesn't read the forms before marking them so he just checks all the wrong boxes. He marked himself as severe in every category, including at risk for homicidal behavior. He just ticked all of like the right hand side boxes when that was the severe side, and the left hand side was you know super positive and happy. <laughs> so he just uh, ticked everything wrong, um, and he's like at a crucial place now, according to the papers. So to kind of wrap up Michael's story here, uh, towards the end, Michael blames Toby for forging quote unquote the forms except toby points out that hey you remember filling out those forms and you remember faxing them michael says yeah okay well you made me so mad that i'm that i messed them up and then michael somehow blames gabe for messing up the forms and i don't know quite how that progresses Um, (laughs) but he and toby just laugh at gabe's expense um they can kind of bond together at hating gabe And because of that, Michael agrees to finish counseling with Toby. Uh, So they do eventually wrap up the six hours of proper counseling.
0: Yeah, they're having perfectly wonderful conversation at the end of the episode. They're drawing pictures together. Uh, Michael draws a picture of Dwight and Angela together. And, uh uh-oh, Angela is taller than Dwight. And Toby says, I wonder why it feels like that sometimes. (laughs) But anyways, uh, speaking of Dwight, he's the other big part of this episode. He went to the mall with Moe's. He saw something at a fancy store that caught his eye. When he tried to go in to purchase the item, they wouldn't let him in and they took pictures of him on their phones. So, Dwight also has his feelings hurt. He's actually pretty upset, which is kind of sweet. You wouldn't think Dwight would be upset by something like this, but he is. He calls for everybody to boycott Steamtown Mall, but then he tells the story and everybody says, okay, you know what? Let's actually. Pretty woman, this situation here. You're going to dress up uh, with nicer clothes. You're going to learn how to behave like a gentleman and you're going to go up there and you're going to get your revenge. So they do. And Jim and Andy specifically help him out with his clothes and his behavior. And they get tips from everybody else in the office. And when they show up to the store, the shop owner says, Oh, yes, I recognize you. And Jim says, Wait, you recognize him? You're not supposed to recognize him. What, what What's the deal? And so the shop owner pulls out his phone and shows a picture of Dwight. And he's wearing his work clothes. He has red stained hands and arms and is just generally a mess. And the shopkeeper did not unfairly assume that he was blood stained, But Dwight, we know, is a beet farmer. He was just stained with beets after a long day of work. And that was the issue, not any sort of appearances that Dwight claims to have uh, have gone against him. It was that Dwight literally looked like a madman who had maybe just killed a person. <laughs> yeah.
1: So by the end of that visit, he, he decides to go ahead and buy the thing that he went into the store for for the first place. Jim says, no, you're not supposed to buy it, but OK, whatever. Just go ahead and get it done. <laughs> It should also be noted that Angela likes Dwight's new fancy gentleman outfit. She asks him to show up at her place tonight wearing that with the pipe included. He's got a <laughs> fancy pipe. He asks her for her card and he punches it. So she's got a sex punch card. Gross. To fulfill their contract. Yes, gross <laughs> is exactly the word I was thinking of. Like a Baskin Robbins
0: <laughs> rewards card. loyalty like, card. <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: Like by nine, the 10th is free. Oh, like, no. It's just very, I know. <laughs> so that's a little tiny Dwight and Angela update.
0: And then the other big story part takes place with Pam. At the start of the episode, she comes with the realization that she is just not cut out for sales. She's not good at it. And even Jim can't lie to make her feel better because she's really not very good at sales. And the opportunity arises for her to change her position. A guy comes in to promote window treatments. He says, is there anybody here I can talk to about this? Is there an office administrator? And Pam, everybody just sort of sits there for a second. And all of a sudden we see Pam's eyes light up. This is my chance. And so she she seizes the moment, says, that's me. We're not interested. We're not interested at all. And then she spends the rest of her day convincing Gabe that... This was a position that existed right before Saber acquired Dunder Mifflin, and the paperwork just got lost in the shuffle of things. And I mean, there's no way this could work in real life, where she just sort of creates a position for herself with a salary that she creates for herself and all these kinds of things. But it's not real life. It's office life. And I love that it comes down to Gabe confronting her and saying, you know, I can't find any record of this position ever existing, but he can't quite bring himself to accuse her of making things up. And so it comes down to Gabe either accusing her or Pam confessing the truth. And neither of which happens so she gets the job and Gabe to sort of appease himself says, "Hey, can I can I get a nameplate that says a uh, Gabe Lewis on it?" <laughs> and, "Sure, I will get that right away."
1: It really fell into her favor that all of this quote promotion happened um, during the sale of Dunder Mifflin to Saber, so there would be the possibility of some paperwork not getting forwarded and whatever, so she kind of capitalized on that transfer not going through. So there was quite a bit of fibbing, but she did get a a job that she might appreciate a bit more. Yeah,
0: she calls it the scam of all scams, but it would also be very helpful to everyone, so nobody's really hurt (laughs) here, but she is lying through her teeth. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, funny moments. How about you cover the cold open this time?
1: Sure. So I love this one. Dwight, as building owner, plans to open up a daycare in the building uh, called Sesame Avenue. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't notice that. There's That's really funny. Street.
1: <laughs> Pam and Jim have been late every day this week. Their daycare is too far. So they could really benefit from this. But of course, Dwight, it is Dwight's daycare center. So it's weird as heck. It's in the old Michael Scott Paper Company, quote, office slash closet. Moe's is in there painting in the dark. <laughs> when they turn on the lights, uh, there's a reading corner that's just an eye test chart, you know, for practicing those English letters. Mm-hmm. A magical toy box is filled with plastic forks and knives from the break room and one soy sauce packet. <laughs> He's embarrassed that I shouldn't have been in there. <laughs> Um, bonus safety feature is that no one actually watches the kids. The door locks from the outside. So escape is impossible. So naturally, Jim wants Dwight to prove this, you know, for safety. So he turns off all the lights and locks Dwight and Mo's in the daycare and leaves <laughs> <laughs> because he can. Yeah. I love that cold. Open. There
0: are also four buckets, which Dwight labels as restroom, <laughs> feeding trough, play bucket, And then one that's room for a plant or something. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Don't get that confused.
0: No, no. Oh, please don't. Feeding Trough and Bathroom are right next to each other. (laughs) Michael, I I really only put one funny moment for Michael, though you may have more. It's the very first thing he says in this episode. They're having like this stare off between Toby and Michael. Michael finally speaks up and says, I hate looking at your face. I want to smash it. (laughs) He he just sounds like a child, like, I want to smash it. (laughs) I want to smash it.
1: Actually, only had one as well, but it was a different one, and it was my piggyback from nepotism, where he said he committed capital punishment. Here, he commits corporate punishment. Again, what I think he's looking for is corporal punishment. Mm -hmm. Again, doesn't know the word for it. I I hope I have that right. Otherwise, I'm just adding to his misnomers, but that's (laughs) fine. I think
0: you're right. Now, Dwight, uh, there's a moment where he's explaining the plot of Pretty Woman while uh, (laughs) Andy and Jim are trying to help him change his look. Dwight says, uh, apparently there's a famous Hollywood movie from the 1980s, Beautiful Girl. Andy speaks up, Pretty Woman. (laughs) Apparently, Dwight says, it's one of the best revenge stories of all times in which this sex worker who is the antagonist, that can't be right. Andy, how does it... And Jim speaks up and says, no, no, I want to hear you tell it. (laughs) And so Dwight continues. Okay. Um, the sex worker is denied service at a fancy store because she does not look wealthy. She later returns dressed in all the trappings of extravagant wealth, but instead of going and then Andy interrupts, he can't contain himself any longer. He has to explain this eighties julia roberts movie julia roberts goes into the store and she's like i was in here yesterday and you wouldn't help me and the shop girl goes okay and julia roberts goes you girls work on commission right and the girl's like yeah and julia roberts goes and kelly steps into the the (laughs) conference room where this is all happening she says big mistake huge and andy is so put out because he's like i was i was telling that come on (laughs) he he so desperately wanted wanted it
1: I have two funny moments for Dwight. I just have this under the category, pretty womaning him. Mm-hmm. One where Ryan critiques uh, Dwight's glasses. He says, the glasses are a little... And he hesitates, so Dwight drops the glasses onto the floor and stomps on them. <laughs> Pam says, I, I liked him. Kelly liked him, too. Ryan, I think probably just to mess with Dwight, says, yeah, I liked him, too. <laughs> Dwight just says, I can't see. <laughs> And then I think my favorite bit is where so Daryl has suggested that Dwight say things like good morning, good afternoon uh, because that's what gentlemen do and people like that. So Dwight doesn't quite know when to say things like please and thank you and good afternoon. He just kind of inserts them (laughs) when there's a lull. (laughs) Um, So Angela says please and thank you go a long way. Dwight says copy. Thank you. Angela says thank you. Dwight says Please. (laughs) (laughs) No. And then there's, uh, piggybacking off the Daryl one, when they're at the store, the salesman says, we had a safety concern. We had a, we had very uh, politely indicated that he'd be welcome back and Dwight just says, "Good morning," because <laughs> he just has no idea when to say that.
0: It's yeah, and, and really when he's explaining the the red, he says, "It was beet juice. I'm a beet farmer, idiot, good sir. I happen to be have been working a very long day when I came to you, in the establishment You're such a... I'm gonna okay. Listen, you can't treat. Thank you. Good morning, sir." <laughs> and and he, he he's just dropping those all over the place. He does not know where to put them.
1: He's helpless.
0: Okay, one of my favorite Aaron moments of all time, (laughs) as Dwight and Jim and Andy are leaving the office, she says, hold on, wait a second. She takes out a disposable camera and she takes Dwight's picture and she looks at the camera and says, oh, it's all finished. And she throws it in the trash. Then she has a talking head. She says, disposable cameras are fun, although it does seem wasteful and you don't ever get to see your pictures. If it's an important event that you want to remember, I recommend using a real camera but I don't care if I forget today. <laughs> you sweet, innocent, naive child.
1: Oh, she's so proud. Andy, oh my gosh. One of our Andy is a snob moments. Um, every once in a while, they have to drop one of these in. So he says, did you assume that I would automatically side with the rich snobby store owner? Of course, referring to Dwight's, um, what, what at first appeared to be inappropriate treatment. From the store owner. So he removes his cufflinks, which are off-camera. We don't see them. Well, how about now? He removes his tie clip, which, again, is under his vest. We don't see it. Well, how about now? (laughs) He pops his collar. Well, how about now? Well, this is all superficial stuff, and two of the three of these things we didn't see. So, no, we think you're the same guy (laughs) who wears sweater vests and cufflinks to your office job. Like, it's... Yeah. You're still you're still privileged. Right.
0: Uh, Kelly is the one to initially suggest the whole pretty woman scenario. She says, you need to go back there and you need a pretty woman there, asses. And slightly later, Jim says, that's actually a really good idea, Kelly. Kelly says, what did I say? And then she has a talking head. I talk a lot, so I've learned to just tune myself out.
1: (laughs) Us too. Maybe my last one. For the sake of time, uh, Ryan, at the end of the episode, has a string of one-liners, which are just so incredibly Ryan. Yeah,
0: this is why we hate him.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He asks the camera crew to just pick the best one of these to insert into the episode. Of course, they insert all of them, including such hits as, Psychiatrists tend to be more crazy than their patients. Psychiatry is a narcissism machine. I learn more from Dr. Seuss than Dr. Freud. And my favorite, Earth. You don't have to be crazy to live here, but it helps. Um, So he's just trying to sound witty and smart and funny, but ends up sounding like a a word I'm not gonna. Right.
0: (laughs) Uh, I've got two more quick ones. Towards the beginning of the episode, Phyllis, in reference to Michael's counseling session, says, "I'm glad Michael's getting help. He has a lot of issues, (laughs) and he's stupid." And he's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then the last one for me is Creed. Uh, Kelly says, this is the the part that I skipped over a second ago. Kelly says, you need to go back there and you need a pretty woman their asses. Creed speaks up across the room and says, we should start our own mall. And Aaron, hyped up by Creed's enthusiasm, says, yeah.
1: <laughs> She's just so supportive of everyone. Yeah. I just love it. She's great. <laughs> so deleted scenes. Stanley is done with boycotts. He says he does not do that anymore. This talking head he says nineteen sixty eight we've had enough black, white, it didn't matter. We marched on Kellogg's. <laughs> two scoops of raisins, my ass, he says. And apparently those of them still around got together last year for a for a reunion. They were fifth graders at the time, he said. So I'm very curious about this, but that's all the information we get. <laughs>
0: There were other bigger, more important things happening in 1968 worth boycotting, but I mean, if you like your raisins more, power to you.
1: And you're in 5th grade, I guess that's That's where your priorities should be in 5th grade. <laughs> <laughs> like should be the height of your concern. <laughs>
0: Uh, there's a scene with Dwight getting dressed in the bathroom and it reveals that the blue sweater he's wearing uh, to the store is Andy's, which might seem obvious to some people who were just paying attention in the episode, but apparently I missed it. I I did not realize that Andy wasn't wearing his sweater anymore when he went to the store. Uh, So he was they they exchanged clothes.
1: Yeah. Um, We see a few other bits in that. It's not quite a montage, but I'll call it that. Um, Creed gives him a pipe (laughs) that, quote, used to belong to a museum. I think that means he stole it. Probably. Um, (laughs) Kevin gives him a handkerchief, which can double as a pocket square. Uh, now without a handkerchief, Kevin sneezes directly into his keyboard, (laughs) which finishes up that, that bit.
0: Michael approaches accounting and wants to talk about dogs, probably fresh off of the counseling session with Toby talking about his dog. Uh, he assumes that Oscar, you probably had a chihuahua growing up. And Oscar says, what makes you think that? Why would you say that? And Michael says, two reasons. He doesn't give us the reasons though. (laughs) And Angela says, listen, Michael, we have no common ground for this conversation. We didn't have dogs. Michael says, well, just imagine. And then Kevin speaks up and says, no common ground. And so Michael walks (laughs) off. Fine. And then Kevin has a talking head. He says, you know, I just didn't feel like talking about dogs at that moment. But another time, that might have gone differently.
1: <laughs> Cannot relate. I will always talk about that. It's fine. We see Dwight finally able to enter the store. Um, actually, entering the store. We see him a bit in the store in the episode. He only wanted to buy the crystal wizard, or the pewter wizard, holding a crystal, so that he could force the crystal out of the wizard's hand. He smashes the wizard on the ground and takes the crystal from him. So we get a Jim talking head about how this was never about the wizard. Sorry. Yeah. We get a Jim talking head about how this was never about the wizard. It was about how if someone with a ton of help and a little motivation could become slightly more normal. And then we see Dwight smashing the wizard. <laughs> we go back to Jim's talking head. The answer may be no. <laughs> uh, Why Dwight was so passionate to get this crystal away from this disgusting wizard, he calls him. Uh beyond me
0: i don't know uh there's a deleted <laughs> scene that sort of changes the end of the normal episode uh toby and michael remember michael says okay let's let's bang this out he, he's resolved okay we're just going to do this properly so that i can have correct paperwork and all that kind of stuff and so we see a snippet of that where michael is talking about he has fears that he shows up to work and he's the only one there and it's relieved to see other people's faces and also he likes to drive but he likes to be the one driving because he thinks that other people will forget to pick him up. And the whole time he's telling these stories, Toby is sort of scribbling along in his notebook real furiously. He's really excited. All this sounds genuine. It sounds plausible. But then Michael gives the camera a look while Toby's writing. And then he has a talking head where he says he's making these up too. Now I don't personally think he's making these up. These sound a little bit too legitimate for Michael, but I think he is divulging self-information, but then trying to pass it off as fake. Uh, yeah. Because I don't think Michael knows how to make up believable things. So he is is instead telling the truth and then trying to pass it off as false. But Yep, agreed. Yeah, anyways, it, it was just a slight differentiation towards the end of the episode where Michael seems like he's going to be cooperative. But then in the deleted scenes, it seems like he's trying to not be cooperative again.
1: Yeah, again. And then the last one for me, I think, is just a, f- a few talking heads regarding Michael's therapy. One from Kelly, she says, I don't get why people pay for therapy. All you do is go into a room and talk and talk and talk and talk to someone. I do that every day. (laughs) Uh, Oscar says, Michael isn't complex enough to need therapy. Can't someone just calmly explain to him what's wrong with him? (laughs) Oh. Uh, And then Stanley says, I'd love to be a therapist. Just sit there saying, "Mm -hmm, uh mm-hmm, uh-huh, uh-huh, give me $200. (laughs) His dream job.
0: Yeah. Well, aside from jury duty.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Food, AC, Judging people. chairs.
0: That is the lie. <laughs> what about discussion topic?
1: Yeah. So Toby seems to really be enjoying this counseling with Michael up until, of course, Michael starts insulting him directly towards the end of the first round of counseling. Why is he enjoying this? I mean, is he truly looking forward to getting to know Michael? Is he enjoying getting to use his experience in counseling like what's this about michael is so abusive to him why should he like this
0: i think he is trying to finally do his job uh not that he hasn't tried before but as i said earlier michael was always in the way of him doing his job before but this time he doesn't have an option. So he points out his degree in social work. We learn that all of the HR representatives are certified counselors in Dunder Mifflin and in Sabre. So Toby is finally getting the opportunity to do what he's been hired to do, rather than just sitting in the annex, ignoring what Michael is doing to everybody else or with everybody else in the main office. And so I think that's the bulk of it: is he's just finally getting to the bottom of Michael, and it's something he's wanted to do for a long time, and genuinely try and help him be better
1: i agree and i also think he likes being in the position of slightly superior to michael Mm -hmm. in a little bit it's it's a little bit malicious to put it that way but i think he enjoys just getting the slight upper hand on michael because so often michael just trods all over him but here toby gets to kind of dictate how things go until of course he can't right (laughs) and just gives the reins to Michael. But yeah, interesting to kind of see him try to enjoy his time with Michael.
0: Well, that's the end of the official 68th episode of an American workplace and the end of our first episode over season seven contact for the show, facebook.com slash workplace pod and at workplace pod on Twitter. Please consider going over to Apple podcasts on your computer or on your phone rate review, subscribe to us. All those things help us. And you have Any feedback or ideas, you can also email us, workplacepod at gmail.com.
1: You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white.
0: And the best place for me is also on Twitter, chadadada, at chadadada, c-h-a-d-a-d-a-d-a. Facebook.com slash chad.hopkins also works. And there's my other podcast, Cinescope, which you can find where podcasts can be found and at the Podcast.com. And all show notes and contact information can be found at WorkplacePodcast.com.
1: If you want a shout out and more of An American Workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker, bonus episodes, and live streams, check out our Patreon page and pick the support level that you think is most worth it to you at Patreon.com slash WorkplacePod.
0: And that's all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode sixty. Eight of An American Workplace make sure to join us in episode 69 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season 7 Andy's Play and Sex Ed goodbye
1: bye Hey, hey. Okay, oh, there great. you are. <laughs> Good. I we said, didn't have to cut anything. Yeah, I said perfect right. timing. <laughs> uh, yeah. And in. Okay.
0: What was it called? That episode? Season two?
1: The one with the quality assurance. Um, yeah. Quality assurance. Quality assurance.
0: <sighs> um, It's called Product Recall.
1: He went into the store for the f- two. He goes... <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Okay.